one size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, "What the f are you talking about? You insane Hollywood ass." So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Which one is that? That's the second time it's gone off. They never go home. They never go home. They never go home, those, those, those boys. That's... Yeah. <laughs> they have asked for that, really. Well, you can laugh. I'm the walk up. I'm a little bit of an idealist. But having said that, I want to be like me. But you don't know what you're talking about. What yeah. did you know? I managed to stay alive for six days. I'd say it to your face, and I'll say it to oh, you okay. now. I'm down to one field, and we'll see them, won't we? What you doing down here, you surely, man. <laughs> There were quite a few stats being thrown around after Cristiano Ronaldo's performance on Saturday. His 59th career hat-trick taking him to 807 goals, which apparently makes him the leading scorer in men's professional football history, eclipsing the great Austro-Czech forward Joseph Bichan. Or Bichan? But the real impact of this performance was how he made the supporters feel at Old Trafford. One high-profile supporter in particular. Here we go, said the recently retired legendary NFL quarterback Tom Brady before the match. Ronaldo versus Kane. I might fist pump if you score, Harry, but I'm riding with Man United today. Barely 24 hours after the match, Brady, still drunk in the intoxicating atmosphere at Old Trafford, tweeted, These past two months I've realised my place is still on the field and not in the stands. That time will come, but it's not now. I love my teammates and I love my supportive family. They make it all possible. I'm coming back for my 23rd season in Tampa. Unfinished business, LFG. You're welcome to Monday's Second Captain's Football Podcast. Hi, Ken. Hi, <laughs> how are you? Cristiano Ronaldo has succeeded. Hello, Kieran. Sorry, my apologies. Cristiano Ronaldo has succeeded in unretiring Tom Brady. Now, that's a That's a legacy. Oh my god! That's amazing. I'm not yeah. fucking leaving. <laughs> um, that I saw is... some. I saw. I saw someone saying, "How would you like to be the guy who just bought Tom Brady's last NFL touchdown ball at auction for half a million dollars?" Oh Ooh. no! Now it's just another touchdown ball. Someone I saw Os- Oso Souza tweeting. If Tom Brady wanted to watch Messi instead of Ronaldo, he'd still be in retirement. <laughs> Messi was Messi was getting booed. Uh, Messi and Neymar were getting booed by the uh, crowd in Paris um, who singled him out for abuse. Uh, so things have really gone bad there. And, and it, it sounds as though um, uh, Jorge Messi, Jorge Messi, uh, Messi Sr., is reported to be uh, trying to uh, put together a daring escape bid <laughs> to, to free Messi and get him back, get him back to Barcelona. Um, so, yeah, we'll see if anything. I'm laughing, but it's actually out. terrible watching that. I saw, I saw that clip. Oh no! I mean, I, I, I went, uh, Let me be clear. I wasn't watching it. I mean, God, no. Uh, <laughs> no one wants to watch that. Uh, it just really hasn't hasn't worked out. N- nobody now. Nobody now wants to watch Leo Messi play a football match. I mean, that's not great. 
No. Uh, but listen, listen, that's that's that's, that's not messy. what we're here. That's not even what we're here to talk. We don't even want to talk about it. Right, yeah, no. Brady was at Old Trafford. He did watch Ronaldo. He was impressed by Cristiano Ronaldo, Ken. What about oh, you? I mean, come on. Uh, this is incredible. I mean, what did you say? He had f- yeah, how many shots on target did he have? Oh, I didn't. I didn't. He had eight shots there. on uh, in total. Five on target. Three goals. I think that was it. So he had five shots on target against uh, in one game against Tottenham. Lukaku has f- ten shots on target this season. Um, so, you know, and he was a hundred million. <laughs> this was a this was a pretty good performance by Ronaldo. Uh, you know, I can't. Um, I mean, there's no other there's no other way to put that. I mean, the first goal. I think you know, Eric Dyer obviously should probably try and stop him somehow. Uh, Lloris maybe should try and move his feet and you know try and save that ball. Uh, although it goes, you know, the one thing Dyer did manage to do, he didn't block the ball, but he did block Lloris's line of sight to the ball. So uh, there is that. The second goal was uh, was a good counter, a good play by Sancho. Ronaldo is there to finish it off, and the third goal was just one of these unbelievable pogoing uh, headers that he does. <laughs> above, up above Matt Doherty, Matt Doherty absolutely posterized for this one. Not Doherty's fault, in fairness, but yeah. it, he's the one who's going to be in the images, just standing mm. there underneath, cowering underneath Cristiano Ronaldo. I know, I know, and um, it was uh, it was an absolutely phenomenal header. Absolutely phenomenal, and this was too much. You know, it was a it was a weird game because Tottenham sort of kept equalising, and I thought we're going to go on to win the game. You know, if they they won the XG, I think comfortably. Um, once again, Tottenham have made a good habit of winning the, the XG under under Conte. I saw Charlie Eccleshare had a tweet about them. Tottenham's last fifteen games: win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win, loss, loss, win, loss, win, loss, win. <laughs> Lost, so that's good. It's a good Brilliant. sequence, at least in terms of what of what it suggests for the next game. But uh, yeah, I mean, you know, it's just they they um, they just kept kept letting in these sort of goals. They just had no answer ultimately to Ronaldo. So who, you know, when we we talk about we've been talking about Ronaldo obviously on and off all season, and I, I feel like it gets repetitive when we talk about him being the problem versus him being the solution. You've made it quite clear, Ken, that. This is a disastrous signing, and I don't. I'm, I'm guessing that that this performance alone isn't going to be enough to convince you otherwise. So, should we instead just take it as a standalone and say that for Man United fans, um, it 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 was nice for them to be there to to see this throwback performance by one of their favorite ever. Well, you know, I mean, any game where you where you win three two in front of a big crowd in an exciting game where the where the result is changing several times, you know, that's obviously it's a great game. Um, uh, you know, this is this is fun. Uh, I mean, the big picture for Manchester United hasn't been changed that much by the fact that they managed to beat Tottenham. Uh, I mean, it is an important win for them against Tottenham. Though Tottenham still have the games in hand that would enable them to go past Manchester United. They they still are in that position despite of of these defeats that they've been racking up, which is unbelievable. Um, they can go a point ahead of Manchester United if they were to win their two games in hand. And United themselves are a point behind Arsenal who have got three games in hand, although the games in hand that they have, apparently two of them are Liverpool and Chelsea. So maybe those points aren't as, those points aren't on the board yet for mm. Arsenal. Um, but, you know, when you look at what Arsenal have done, I mean, Ar- Arsenal were, were playing yesterday and, you know, really had a really good performance again. And, and Iran, um, you know, they, they really seem to be a new team now. Uh, although, you know, these, these sorts of things... I mean, I've said that, but I, I'm, I'm reminded immediately of Rangnick's, Rangnick's quote after the game was, was I thought, extremely funny. Um, because uh, he was like, 
they after the game they, they were like you know do you think you can you can go on and win the Champions League and uh, he goes this is what I love about this club Sunday I almost felt like we were at a funeral the Sunday by the way on day it was the Manchester City uh, <laughs> I felt like we were at a funeral that it was already dead the end of the decade or whatever I felt like it's the worst team I ever coached uh, that was when, when they lost 4-1 to Man City and after the 3-2 win against Tottenham we're discussing our chances to win the Champions League <laughs> it <laughs> is a me, fair point ask me that question if we reach the final of the Champions League then ask me that question right now I don't really think it makes sense um but you know that's that's uh, that's his perspective. You know the 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 question I would have is: Does he really understand Manchester United? Yeah. Does he? You know? Is he in the club DNA? That's my big question now. You know. Yeah. When when Manchester United have a, have the wind in their sails, then you know who can stop them? And Cristiano Ronaldo, having inspired Tom Brady, I mean, is he going to take inspiration from Tom Brady? You know, and play on until the age of forty six for the for the Glazer family. You know. Uh, uh, a great sports owning dynasty that isn't afraid of, you know, the encroachment of old age. Uh, is it time for United to act to tie him down for another year beyond the current? Day? He's got another year left in his contract, but you know, if he's in this kind of form, you know, the big uh, the the big guns will be uh, the big guns won't be circling. Big guns don't circle. Um, you know, you know what I'm trying to say here. Is it time to maybe think about extending that? Or? I have a feeling you think it's not. Well, I mean, I've, I've, it's clearly, clearly, it's not. I mean, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I have said that if they don't make it to the Champions League, the one silver lining should be that Ronaldo will will maybe go to Miami, or I, I don't know what his plan is. Uh, maybe he'll score 100 goals for 15. That was one another. You know, the, like there's these. Um, these Ronaldo stats, like I, I found, I found this happening a lot um, when I go on um, Twitter or whatever, um, and I find these like, uh, what is it? This, 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 the propaganda machine behind Ronaldo. There's this, there's this account called at Total Ronnie uh, that for some reason Twitter seems to think I want to see every time I look at, uh, <laughs> every time I, I open we, it. We all have those a, ones, yeah, yeah. There's a stat from Total Ronnie, who's always telling me, oh, you know, Cristiano Ronaldo's goal was his 6,000, you know, or, uh, I mean, what was the one he had the other day? Uh, something like, uh, only Rafael Varane and Sergio Ramos have had more clearances in the Champions League than Cristiano Ronaldo years 2008 <laughs> to 2019. And like, all of these tweets have some, have like 20,000 likes somehow, you know what I mean? And... I'm kind of like, and this is at a time when, you know, well, until the other day, he had scored, I think, one goal in his previous 10 matches. It was kind of like, what, what is going on here? Like, this is kind of totally divorced from reality. Of course, he rolled back the years a bit. I mean, maybe the break, maybe the break did him good. Maybe Rangnick should leave him out of more matches. Maybe if he only had to play one game every 10 days, then he'd score more than one goal every, well, it is actually one a goal every 10 games. Yeah, I don't know if you're being facetious or not, but I think you're probably right. Managing, managing like this. Uh, I'm not entirely deliver. sure that it's tiredness, uh, that's uh, mo- that motivated him to score his hat trick, rather than like rage at being left out of the Manchester derby. I don't know which one is a more powerful uh, uh, accelerant for or one, Ronaldo's one ability, yeah. or just showing off to Tom Brady in the stands. You can't yes, underestimate is... the motivation there. <laughs> I mean, I don't think we could totally discount that as a motivation either. Just get Tiger Woods over, then uh, Michael Jordan the week after that. He's um, not going to. Uh, well, there's not many guys on on Ronaldo's level, really, is there? At this point, Jordan, Tiger, Brady. Does he look Steph up to Tom Curry? Brady? I doubt it. Well, LeBron, obviously. LeBron, LeBron's a better shape. Yes, um, mm. Serena Williams. There's a there's yeah. a few out there, you know. Uh, 
Yeah. Anyone well, else? He, they're playing Atletico Madrid this um, this Tuesday, isn't it? So it's a bit of a quicker turnaround this time. Uh, but Atletico Madrid are, are one of his favorite teams to beat up on. He's been bullying Real Madrid, or Atletico Madrid, I should say, for uh, for many years now. And uh, who would put it past him doing it again this Tuesday? Chelsea against Newcastle again. One of the more dispiriting occasions in English football history. Dispiriting. Uh, well, I don't know. How do you mean dispiriting? Dispiriting, I suppose, would, would imply that your spirits are high going in and then you're taking down a peg or two. Well, I mean, like we, we kind of knew that this this story before the game you know it wasn't like anything happened in the game to make me to turn my stomach you know more than i mean there was this chant from the newcastle fans which i thought was i mean brilliant (laughs) you know that's really good i just thought chelsea uh until uh the other day the king of the jungle and now they lie stricken uh, on the savannah, and uh, Mike Ashley is circling overhead. Cir- no, Mike, Mike Ashley is circling. <laughs> Mike Ashley is just circling lower and lower. He's gonna be. He's gonna be. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's. So he's uh, he's, he's gonna come. Chelsea. Pick their bones clean. Um, you know that that's uh, that is one possible future uh, for Chelsea. I did think that was funny from the Newcastle fans, um, more so than some of the other stuff about like boasting about how rich they are and waving Saudi Arabian flags. But like again, none of that was new from the Newcastle fans either. You know, we know this is this has been their approach to it. Yeah. Um, very uh, brash sort of. You know, we've got Pep Guardiola cutting the grass and all that. You know, <laughs> lovable, <laughs> lovable Newcastle fans. But uh, you know. Like Eddie Howe afterwards, I thought. Well, first of all, the game, um, Newcastle. Kai Havertz rubbed Newcastle's face in it. Um, he first of all got away with elbowing Dan Byrne, which I thought he was quite lucky to get away with, actually, because it looked to me like he. I mean, he jumped into Dan Byrne. The point of his elbow went right into Byrne's temple, and I thought eh. uh, he. Kai Havertz made the point afterwards. Uh, this guy is seven or eight feet tall. You know, what am I saying? You know, I've got to get up there, you know, basically kind of defending himself for using his arm. But I'm like, yeah, if he is, if he's seven or eight feet tall, as you say, how, how high did you have to get the point of your elbow to get it into the, you know, into the side of his head? Um, but, you know, again, the, the VAR was, ah, yeah, looks okay. Um, so, so they let Havertz away with it. Yeah, like, well, what you could say, just the, the reaction of Byrne told you, I think, a lot. Byrne looks like he looked like one of the England rugby players. Actually, he look he looks like he should have been on the on the rugby team. You know that kind of very large, strapping Englishman. On this occasion, extremely indignant, indignant at what had been done to him by this skinny, sly-looking German, mm-hmm. and uh, was was jabbing his finger at Harvard's both both as he lay on his back getting his head injury treated, and then after he you know, when he sprang to his feet, he ran over to jab his finger again in Harvard's face, and. Uh, and that that suddenly made the game, which had been unbelievably boring, like for two sort of billionaire fueled, um, you know, clubs. Like this was a really terrible game of football until that point, which suddenly made it a bit more interesting because you're wondering, is Harvard's going to be able to score on Burn here? And the answer was, oh yes, very mm. much so. And very, it was a very personalized, um, like it. He he really. He, I don't know if you saw Dan Burns' reaction to the goal going in. 
but he was he was extremely disappointed on with the goal and also with his own part in the goal because he just sort of lost sight of that stringy German. He just sort of seemed to forget. Havertz was there, had the ball. And, you, and Newcastle lad as well, of course. Dan Boone, um, is he? So Yeah, yeah, he came up through through the ranks there again before going around the houses to various clubs. And, and now he's that's sure, that's, sure, that's why he signed for them again. You know, that's why they, he mm. signed for Brighton. It, it wasn't for the payback. It was because it's his boyhood It's a labour of love. <laughs> yeah. He's back to his uh, spawning ground, uh, which is nice. But on this occasion... Uh, Jorginho floated the ball surely over his home, head. Surely hometown is a nicer phrase than spawning ground. But anyway, listen, that's on we go. Uh, over, <laughs> Jorginho did well, I think, to float the ball over his head, which is eight feet off the ground, uh, from you know 45 yards out and drop it such that Havertz was able to apply the touch of the season, maybe. I mean, there will not be many better first touches than this. And then very, very quickly after that, uh, a second touch, which just dispatched it into the net. It was an absolutely brilliant goal. Um, and, uh, yeah, Harvard. I mean, Chelsea really enjoyed it. I mean, Eddie Howe at least was able to comment. He, he felt he felt he was in a position to comment on Thomas Tuchel's celebration after the, after the goal. Because <clears throat> there, there had been some... Some people wondering if maybe Thomas Tuchel had disrespected Newcastle by celebrating a little bit too much, you know. But Eddie Howe was like, "No, nah, you know, he was he was in his he was caught in his moment, you know. That's okay. No, no grudges felt by Eddie Howe." But of course, the um, the post match press conference was largely about the uh, well, the news story that uh, Saudi Arabia had executed eighty one people in what, uh, according to some reports, was the biggest mass execution ever in Saudi Arabia. They've had a few big ones, but uh, nobody could think of a bigger one than this. And, uh, you know, that's which is just a stunning... Uh, you know, 80, 81 people. They didn't say what the method of execution was, but the usual method of execution in Saudi Arabia is beheading. So this is a really gruesome story. I mean, you know, it, when you consider what had been happening over the weekend with Chelsea suddenly thrown into this... Um, kind of chaos by their owner being sanctioned uh, and Newcastle's ownership, of course, is under the uh, spotlight because Newcastle are, you know, Newcastle are evidently a, a soft power project uh, by another, and, you know, this was pointed out to Eddie Howe, I think, wasn't it, by the BBC journalist who played the audio of it? Before, Last week, yeah, yeah, that was when he was effectively asked, are you concerned, you know, does it mean that Saudi Arabia could be looked at as well at some point, you know, and he said, he said, what well, we're probably going to hear him say now again, I'm a football manager, it's about trying to get results, that's what I'm going to comment I'm on. A football, I'm a football man, I, I'm here to talk about football. This week they were renewed. It wasn't just one question. It seemed like there were a few thrown at him. Yeah. So um, Tarek Panja uh, of the New York Times was, I think, the first to bring it up. This was the, you know, in Eddie Howe. Eddie Howe started off talking about the penalty that he saw Shalaba uh, on, on Jacob Murphy. Um, should have been a penalty. I think Eddie Howe was correct. Um, can't look past the penalty for me. That was what he said about the penalty. But, of course, the journalists, um, uh, first of all, Tarek saying, uh, yesterday in Saudi Arabia, 81 people were executed in the largest mass execution in years. There were a lot of Saudi flags fluttering in your section there today. What do you think of that when they're bankrolling your football team? So Eddie Howe just says, I'm going to answer questions on the game and on football. I'm still bitterly disappointed for the defeat. I think it's only right that I stick to football. So there was a couple of questions then about the Harvard's burn thing, the, the elbow. And then question, Then it sort of came back to, how do you feel having to answer questions about, you know, stuff like mass executions? 
Um, I'm here to manage the football team and coach the football team. I'm well aware of what's going on around the world. I'm well aware of what's going on around the world. Is an interesting thing for him to say. Are oh, you though? I mean, you, you, I'm well aware. Blissfully unaware is it would be a pretty useful stance. That'd be better. Uh, you know, stance for you to take. Yeah. Yeah, it would. You know, I'm, I'm not interested in any of that. You know, I'm just I, I just watch football. You know, I I only listen to football news. You know, when the real news comes on, I turn it, I turn the radio off for like two minutes, then I turn it back on when I think they've probably got to, to the football news. Um, uh, my focus is on trying to produce a team to win football matches and get enough points to stay in the league. And that's all I'll talk about. Uh, so then another journalist, I think is Rob Harris, said, he's your ultimate boss, Mohammed bin Salman. You know, you work for him ultimately, so you can understand why we do ask these questions. It's Mohammed bin Salman being the Saudi Crown Prince, who is the chair of PIF, which is the entity, the sovereign wealth fund that owns Newcastle. Uh, I don't know what to answer to that. I'm going to talk football. That's all I'm concerned with. Uh, and then Miguel asked him, do you never reflect on these questions, given how the club has been used, how football has been used politically, that these are fair questions precisely because of that? To which Eddie Howard just responded, I think I've made my position clear. So he just, you know, he's just sort of stonewalling, um, you know. Do you think he, he can stonewall till the end of the season? And then do you think can he stonewall all of next season? Is that is that literally his plan? Well, like, I mean, these things obviously go through sort of uh you know it, it's like the what had happened here was was the result of of a, of a confluence of different circumstances uh all of the drama that had happened at chelsea over, over the last week newcastle suddenly arrived this weekend and on the same weekend the kingdom decides to execute 81 people you know what i mean that's a that's a really it, it's a kind of an, an incredible story mm. now do you need to know about the case histories of those 81 people? You know, do you need to do you need to sort of be informed on like the charges that were made, the evidence that was brought, uh, the defenses that were mounted, you know, the, the extent to which, you know, trials and so on. Um do, do you actually need to know a lot of detail about that in order to know whether or not you think you know, executing 81 people in one day is is good or bad? <laughs> do you really need to, do you, you know, how much do you need to know about that? Like, is it so difficult for Eddie Howe to say, to, to, to express an opinion about that? It, 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 I mean, in terms of on a human level, no. On the level of his fear about what his employers, what the consequences might be, Eddie Howe took this job this is the other thing about it. It wasn't as though he was there. He's some long-serving manager of Newcastle and this new ownership come in and, you know, he's 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 part of the furniture. Eddie Howe took this job after seeing all the coverage around. Even if even if he only followed it from a football point of view, the football media was full of um of the issues around this Saudi this Saudi takeover. So he took the job. So I'm not for a moment expressing sympathy for Eddie Howe. And of course, I'd like to hear him talk about these things in in some meaningful way. But I'm saying from his point of view, I suppose he doesn't want to get sacked or he doesn't want to get himself in, in trouble with his owners um, or, or with with the fund or any of that stuff. So that's, I, I presume the logic is once he starts opening his mouth, there's nothing that he's going to be able to say that is probably going to go down well with his bosses. That's, well, I mean, you know, yeah. no, I know, I know, tough no, shit. No, no. But I'm, I'm just saying, like, you know, like, sure, that's obvious. That's why yeah. he's not saying. Well, one thing he could say is that Boris Johnson's going to be over there next Wednesday. Talking yeah. to Mohammed bin Salman and his family uh, mm. as an ally, so I mean, like that would probably cause numerous heads to explode. But I mean, at least it is at least he's uh, engaging with the 
with the with the questions that aren't I I don't think they're I mean I understand that like this is a particularly you know sort of um uh, febrile time for stories like this like there will never be a more uh, a bigger week for the sport and politics don't mix uh, stands than the last seven or ten days mm-hmm. or three weeks or whatever but I mean the story of Newcastle's ownership is not just going to fade away into the distance yeah. now you know what I mean like mm-hmm. he's going to ha- have to answer it somehow and like point at least pointing out that like the British government uh, sees Saudi Arabia as an ally you know at least at least that's an answer. I mean, it's you know, it's a, it's, you know, it's a, it's 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 you're not engaging with the with the morality of the of the story at all. But at least it's an answer. I just think it shouldn't be beyond someone to justify why why they're doing their job. Mm. You know what I mean? Like if you if you can't justify it, then what are you doing doing it? I mean, you could you know Eddie Eddie Howe. I mean, he's got a number of things available to him. I mean, he can point out you know, look, I'm not the only person getting paid millions of pounds. Um, on behalf of you know uh, super wealthy uh, foreigners in this country, I mean, there's an enti- there's an entire sort of uh, professional uh, ecosystem that exists to cater to the needs of the international super rich. You know, that's to a great extent. I mean, it's, it's, you know, you could you could argue that the ruling political party has kind of structured itself in this way as well around these around these sorts of interests to attract donations from these types of people, and to uh, you know, and to and to you know, where possible, uh, put through policies which maybe will will make London an even more attractive place for uh, sort of dynamic investors uh, from around the world who have you know all this kind of stuff. I mean. I wonder no, I, is he is he gambling that it will go away? You know, as as Murph says, surely he knows this is going to go on and on. But I don't know. Maybe maybe does he think, or maybe did he think when he took the job, this might be something I have to answer in my first press conference, and then we just all move on and talk about the football. But actually, that's not certainly not the case right now. We'll have to see if that's going to be the case over the next number. I, I think he just wants to be he just wants to be left in peace to enjoy his uh, yeah. large salary and um, you know to manage his. Uh, his club, which is which is obviously the biggest spending club in the world, and in, in the most recent January transfer, if you notice, he's getting all kinds of plaudits for his coaching ever since Newcastle started to win games. Ever since, mm. which is also ever since they became the biggest spending club in the, in the world <laughs> in January transfer, and so everyone thinks he's great. And suddenly, he's you know all this kind of irrelevant stuff, you know, stuff about mass, mass executions have been thrown at him. I think he just would rather this wasn't happening. So he's just kind of stick his head in the sand and uh, hope that it all blows over. And that, to be fair, when you look at how how these things have gone, uh, you know, it's uh, I I wouldn't say it's I wouldn't say his strategy is definitely unlikely to work. I'm not I'm not really sure. The question is whether whether anything has really changed. Um, uh, you know, has has there been like a real sort of sea change on this, or is this just a kind of a temporary squall which they've just got to get through, and then everyone will just kind of go back to treating it as a as a normal situation? I think the comparison is with Tuchel as well, isn't it? Who people seem to be more and more impressed with. That's the sense I'm getting, certainly from the journalists who are dealing with him over uh, the, the the bigger topics. You know, he wa- there was that. Well, he did ask that journalist to please stop asking him questions about Abramovich while yeah. he was there. But uh, since the sanctions came in, maybe he's been a little bit, a little bit freer. Am I right in that? That's that's the impression I'm getting. Well, I'm getting I think from the so too. Of him. Well, yeah, but I mean, he also maybe cares a lot less about holding on to his job as Chelsea manager now, and actually wouldn't mind moving from the club in any case. So. Yeah, I mean, he said, I mean, I'm definitely going to be here until the end of the season, which is, you know, reassuring for everyone, I'm sure. Yeah, although, you know, the, a lot of, uh, I mean, I, 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 I wouldn't necessarily take that as him saying, and after that, I'm out of here. I think he's just, 
I think he was just sort of saying, I, I can't really tell beyond that because we don't know who's going to be the owner of Chelsea. You know, it could be it could be something that happens really quickly. Maybe it will take a little bit longer than that. I mean, I saw, you know, Matt Law was on Sky saying, you know, there's already people who've put in bids of, you know, above £2 billion. And I'm thinking, really? People bidding that much for Chelsea? That's interesting to me. Like, that would be, you know, in the circumstances in which they're being sold uh, with... You know, it's it's kind of like it seems like kind of a buyer's, Com- buyer's market. Yeah. Uh, you know, uh, and would this be the biggest fee ever paid for like a, a sporting institution? I mean, I was looking at the NFL. I think the the most expensive uh, NFL franchise or the biggest price paid for an NFL franchise was was a couple of years ago for the Carolina Panthers. It was two point two billion dollars. So this Chelsea, if it was if it was above two billion pounds, uh, would would be well in excess of that. But with the Carolina Panthers, okay, you know, they're not exactly, I guess these aren't the, the biggest, they're not like Chelsea in NFL terms, you know what I mean? But the, the great thing about an NFL franchise, which which makes them such a great thing to own, uh, aside from all the prestige and, you know, all that stuff that, like, people, is the real reason why people own them, is that you can make pretty accurate, you know, predictions of how much money they're going to be making in three years, in five years, you know what I mean? It's, it's like... Uh, it's a pretty stable economic environment they're in. Lots you don't of, get relegated. Yeah, there's lots, of, there's lots of upside, but you can also, there's a, there's a fairly clear baseline. You know what I mean? You, you, know, mm. what, you know what you're going to be making. And, you know, if you do well, you could, you could make more. But um, with Chelsea, that isn't really the case. I mean, Chelsea is like a chronically money-losing entity, and like has been throughout its history. Remember when Aramovich took it over, it was because it, like it had been... Chelsea had become so weighed down with debt under Ken Bates that they were close to collapse. So Bramovich was able to take it over pretty much for the, for the price of the debt. And ever since then, they've been running pretty much at a loss. I mean, not every they haven't made losses every single year. But, uh, you know, if, when you look at it over the period of the nearly two decades of Bramovich's ownership, he's put in more than one and a half billion pounds of, of owner financing. So, you know, that works out at like, what, 70, 80 million a year. Uh, which is, you know, like that's yeah. that's what Chelsea are used to. So uh, it's quite different from the from the um, from the Carolina Panthers. And the fact, yeah, I mean, Abramovich wasn't looking to sell it. Of course, maybe if if Abramovich had been looking to sell it last autumn, then maybe PIF would have bought Chelsea because they seem to be the only type around the only type of entity that can afford to run it the way that Abramovich was running it. You know, in the sense that, like, I'm not really running this to make money. This is about other things. Uh, none of the current, none of the people who I've seen linked to, to buying Chelsea so far seem to fall into that category. Um, so I suppose we'll see what happens. But but just on, on Tuchel, just to, to wrap that up, sure. um, the point that he was making, I thought was a good point. I mean, he said, look, uh, I think at some point we have to tr- we have to trust the process. Uh, and by the way, he didn't mean this in the Mikel Arteta sense, but what he meant was kind of like, he seemed to be to me to be talking about the kind of difficulty of somebody like him or Eddie Howe, um, of kind of understanding all of the implications of of what of of deciding to take a, a job before you do it. Right? I mean, necessarily, guys like this are going to have to spend a lot of their time thinking about football, right? <laughs> you know, which doesn't necessarily leave them a great deal of time to catch up on, for instance, what's going on in Yemen. You know what I mean? That's just mm. that's sort of that's just a reality. Um, so they're depending to a certain extent on um, on being able to trust in 
the situations that, they, that you know, so what was the quote from Dougal? For example, we need to trust the process of the league as to who owns a club. Maybe as well you need to trust the process that you work for a company that is not doing the morally and ethically wrong things. At some point we need to trust. Maybe we need to ask questions about the process of how this goes. Maybe it's an ongoing process that will never end. It just reminds us to be aware and conscious about it and not look away which I think is something for really hard to think about because it seems to me as though at the moment that's what he's very much doing. Um, I mean, he could say, well, I mean, it, what, I, what, I, what, what, I, what disappoints me about Eddie Howe is if, he, if he's fine with what he's doing, then just say that. Mm. You know, just, just say it. Like, uh, not, not this, uh, this sort of hiding and I'm only here to talk about football. You know, what, what are you afraid of? What, what are you afraid of saying here? You know, I, I think that's something for him to think about. But because at the end of the, at the end of all this, um, it's you know, if he if he's in a situation that like he feels he can't, he he, he I can't openly speak about why I'm doing why I'm doing the job. I don't think that's a healthy situation for him. Big thanks to so many of our World Service members for making it along to our Gangs All Here shows at Liberty Hall last week. It was just uh, an unbelievably special few nights having not seen you guys in so bloody long. So thanks again to you. Thanks to O'Hara's Irish Craft Beers for helping to make those shows happen. Thanks to, to Kieran Quinn and his band for adding a completely new dynamic to things as well. They were sensational. And finally, a big thanks to our friends in Hyatt-centric The Liberties, Dublin's number one ranked city centre four-star hotel. If you're coming to Dublin, visit Hyatt.com and check out the offers it's a great spot and still three more nights to come next week we'll see plenty more of you then so can't wait for that this week Man United let it go as you mentioned I think Ken in the Champions League on Tuesday night Arsenal Liverpool that's Wednesday night in the Premier it's League night, yeah. uh, so there's a lot going on there we'll cover all that for our members if you want to join the club then just go to secondcaptains.com it's five euro a month plus VAT only takes a couple of minutes to sign up if that it doesn't take long at all thanks Ken thanks Murph thank, thank you, you. Owen, thank, Owen, you Ken. thank you Ken thanks everyone we'll see you soon It's the second time it's gone off. They never go home, they never go home, they never go home, those, those, those boys. It is not war and death and famine, it's not that at all. It's the opposite of that, it's to persuade the world outside of that. That's why sports are important. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.